Welcome to Sister Scriptorians, where we are devoted to learning, likening, and lifting others one principle at a time. Episode 143, Instruments in the Hands of God. You know what? I love what I do. (laughs) I really do. I love being able to study the scriptures, learning, likening, and then experiencing that lift that the Spirit blesses me with each time that I just choose to take some time to study. And then I get to come on here and share with you some learning and likening. And I'm always hoping that you too are experiencing that lift from the Spirit so that you can go on your day feeling a little lighter, a little more courageous, a little more understood. I also love coaching. It's been the perfect balance for me as a mom with children, as someone who loves the Word of God. I get to work with women who desire to put into motion the doctrine of Jesus Christ. Because you know what? <laughs> let's let's face it. <laughs> when we're at church and we're sitting in the pew and we're on those fold-up chairs even, it sounds doable, right? We hear the talks, we hear the testimony, our hearts burn, we hear the lessons, we agree with all of it, it's the correct way to do things, and we're committed, and our hearts are all in, right? And you think, of course we can be Christ-like. And then we leave church, (laughs) we go home, And all of our stuff comes back up. The same emotions and obstacles that we just haven't quite figured out yet how to do more Christ-like. And that can get discouraging. Our relationship problems or our goals that we haven't achieved, they're all up right there in our face. And it just seems so out of reach. The women I work with are strong and they're good. And it's so rewarding to teach them tools of emotional resiliency so that they can go and put off the natural man who likes to come and fill their thoughts with shame and doubt and fears and should-haves. And then we have added layers of judgment about the shame, the doubt, the fears, and the should-haves, right? And then they come to me and we get to work together intimately one-on-one talking about tender stuff. I feel so honored to be trusted in that way. And the best word that I can come up with to describe all this is joy. It's just, it's joyful to watch a daughter of God take back control over her agency, where perhaps she didn't realize she had stopped managing her thoughts and her feelings and her actions, and then to help her take steps in going after the results that she truly desires. And she comes out stronger and always marveling that the Lord was right there beside her and that he always has been. I love it. I simply love it. It's the best. For today's episode, we're in Alma chapter 17. Thanks for just letting me gush for a minute. (laughs) You're such a good friend that way. 
Okay, we're in Alma chapter 17, and we mentioned last week that unexpectedly, Alma in his travels that comes upon the sons of Mosiah as they're traveling back to Zarahemla after a 14-year-long mission among the Lamanites. Can you imagine? And as you listen today, I hope that you can feel the spirit of missionary work. And I hope that if you know a missionary who will soon be going out into the field, that you might desire to share this episode with them so that they can have a missionary story based in scripture that they can draw strength from whenever they need it. I know that missionary work has experienced some changes recently, especially due to COVID, and I don't pretend to know all the particulars of the struggles that missionaries face. But I do know that the scriptures were given to us for a reason, for us to learn, to liken, so that we can experience lift. And just like our missionaries today, the sons of Mosiah volunteered to go on their mission. They gave up life that had just been waiting for them. Remember, it was the throne over the people of Zarahemla that they each were offered and they each turned down. For all of their lives, there had been a certain path that they were expected to follow. And now that was all being changed. And I'm sure that their life was comfy as far as life then. And I'm sure that their relationships were hard to say goodbye to. We know that's true, in fact, because they say goodbye to their father. Their father would die during this time that they're away. And I wish we had more information about their mother so that we could just know what she was like and know what relationship was needing to be sacrificed there even. But from what I can tell, their service required the sacrifice that our young men and women must make today. And you read about these men, you learn that they had a compelling reason to go and serve. Compelling reasons help propel us forward. When we're about to do something that we think is hard or something that we've never done before, a compelling reason is the deep desire. It's the reason under the many layers of reasons that when we identify it, it is what fuels our actions and makes our hearts burn with purpose. That reason was for them, after having led a rebellious life, but then repenting, they could not be content with accepting the truth that there were any children of God out there who didn't know his goodness, that didn't know his mysteries, and that were living in ignorance to God's plan. And they wanted to bring that sweetness of redemption that they experienced to each and every one of those who didn't know about it, even if it was the Lamanites. No, I think especially because it was the Lamanites, because they sought after this particular mission. They knew that the Lamanites lacked truth, which then led them to follow the traditions of their fathers that weren't correct. So a foreign mission is what the sons of Mosiah went on and requiring them to travel for many days to reach the edge of Lamanite lands. And can you imagine the culture shock that these missionaries may have experienced? Moroni described the Lamanites as being a wild, hardened, and a ferocious people. Think of those words, hard, wild, ferocious. And they delighted in murdering who? 
the Nephites, and were always enjoying robbing and plundering them. They enjoyed the riches of the Nephites. They liked their gold and silver and their precious stones and would rather go to great lengths to steal these items instead of laboring for them on their own. The Lamanites were lazy and they worshiped idols and the curse of their father's disobedience was upon them. But remember, what also was upon them was the promise that if they repented, they would be restored unto God. Remember that promise? That was given all the way back in Father Lehi's days. Which, by the way, is a principle that we need to keep in mind too for today. Many of our brothers and sisters throughout the world may at first glance appear to have different beliefs and customs that we might look at as inferior or strange. It's too easy. It's too easy to make judgments about their worth because it's different to us or make assumptions about how God feels about them because they're doing things differently than us. The missionaries who begin to grow love for the people that they are called to serve before they ever enter the MTC, they emulate the spirit of these missionaries found here in chapter 18. Because though Moroni is most certainly accurate in his description of the Lamanites, I'm not doubting that. There is no doubt in my mind also, though, that each step that these young men took towards the land of Nephi were taken with the love of God in their hearts for their brethren. And they allowed that love to grow before they even got there. And that takes preparation, right? And fortunately, we learn of the preparation that these missionaries did before their journey and before their mission and during their mission. The scriptures say that the sons of Mosiah had searched the scriptures much and they had prayed and fasted much. And the blessings they experienced enhanced their spirits and minds to be able to endure the trials their mission would and did bring to them. They waxed strong in the knowledge of truth. They were men of sound understanding. They had the spirit of prophecy. They had the spirit of revelation. They taught by the power and the authority of God. And they had much success in bringing many to the knowledge of truth. Not because of their fabulousness, but because of the grace of Jesus Christ that they received because of their preparation. I don't suppose they would have received such remarkable grace without the dedication that they exercised in preparing their hearts and their minds before their mission and while they journeyed to their mission and while they were on their mission. And the grace of Jesus Christ was needed. His enabling power accompanied these men because on their missions they did suffer. They suffered in body with hunger, thirst, and fatigue. And they also suffered in mind, and they labored much in spirit. And, you know, I have never noticed before the laboring in mind part. And I ask you to think about what you suppose that looked like for them. Fear? Grief? Self-defeating thoughts? Discouragement? Maybe at times doubt? What did laboring much in spirit look like? Could that be that they labor to feel the Spirit? Labor to hear Him? Labor to know His will and what He would have them do? 
Was it a labor to be of good cheer? To maintain hope? To remember the promise of protection that was extended to them? Did they wrestle to feel his love when they were captured and tortured and imprisoned? Whatever it looked like for them, and please add to my list, based on your own experiences of suffering in body, mind, and laboring much in spirit, see the toil that these young men experienced. See how they did so for their brethren, because that is what the Lamanites had become to them. It is as if they had entered the lands loving these Lamanites before they even got there. They had cast off the prejudice and the misunderstandings of these, of these brethren and saw them now as brothers. Missions are hard. I know the reality of that has kept some young men from pursuing that course. I get it. I, I know it's a personal choice. And I also know that hard comes no matter what choice you do make. So if we learn anything so far, please learn the keys to preparation. And when you do it with your sight set upon the Lord, His grace will be sufficient. And you can do that on a mission, and you can do it off a mission, right? There is something for us all to learn here. And His grace being sufficient is shown here. As the sons of Mosiah traveled to the borders of the Lamanite land, they fasted and prayed much, asking the Lord that he would grant them a portion of his spirit to go with them and abide with them and expressing to him their desire to be his instruments. Remember that, okay? See if the Lord delivers this request. Notice that these young men essentially were asking for a change of heart. I'm sure it was for an increased measure of love for those who had been their enemies. That's a huge mind shift to make, going from enemy to brother. And I'm sure it also included an increased awareness and ability to feel God's love, not only for them, but for the Lamanites that they will teach. I'm sure they were asking for God to calm their fears, to grant them wisdom and strength to carry out his work and receive help so that they can see the Lamanites as their brethren. Because all their lives, these people had been their enemies. Take note of their use of agency. They are willing to put off what they knew about the Lamanites, to be taught how the Lord sees the Lamanites. And in scripture, it says the Lord did visit them. Just like back in 1 Nephi chapter 2, verse 16, the Lord did visit them and he said to them, be comforted. And they were comforted. And it's so easy to pass over this, but please, every time you read something similar to this and they were comforted, I want you to recognize what's happening here. This is also a use of their agency. They chose to have their thoughts be replaced with God's thoughts. They allowed their ways to take a back seat to God's ways. They surrendered their logic to his truth. They chose him. And by doing so, they allowed themselves to be comforted. The Lord also commanded them to go and establish his word and, listen, to be patient in long-suffering and afflictions, 
that by doing so, they would show forth good examples to the Lamanites. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. These are the sorts of words we mortals don't particularly like. We get a little, I don't know, little skittish around these words. Patient, long-suffering, afflictions. (laughs) It sounds like to me, even the Lord knows that missionary work isn't easy. He knows that there will be times that will require patience, long-suffering, and afflictions. But if they do so, they're going to be great examples to those that they're teaching. Before departing, Ammon, who was chief among them, administered unto them, blessing them according to their several stations. And this reminds me of the setting apart that missionaries receive from the stake president as they go forth, being called as special witnesses of Jesus Christ, having been given the role to do so like the general authorities of the church have been given. No wonder missionaries have a special spirit about them. No wonder people can feel something familiar and Christ-like when they sincerely meet with the missionaries. Missionaries aren't operating by their own power, but it is through the power of God that they are sustained. Again, through their personal preparation, diligence, work, and agency. Remember, if you are planning on going out on a mission soon, you will not be operating as you are now. You will have been set apart for a wholly different work. So if you don't think you can do hard, maybe you're right. (laughs) That's not what people are telling you, huh? (laughs) But you and the Lord can do hard. And that power will be made available to you as you prepare and act in faith. And it's in this chapter that we learn of the great missionary experience for these missionaries. And it begins with Ammon. Ammon went into the land of Ishmael, and it appears that once he reached the borders, he was immediately captured, bound, and prepared to be taken to the king. That doesn't sound good, does it? In fact, in our minds, if we were experiencing this right beside Ammon, it may appear to us that something has gone significantly wrong. Weren't we just promised, just a few yards back, (laughs) that we would be God's instruments And weren't we just told to be comforted? This doesn't feel comforting. (laughs) Did we get our wires crossed? Did I make a wrong choice? Even worse, when you are bound and taken to the king, the king has three options of what to do with these particular Nephites like you. One, he can slay you. Two, he can keep you in captivity or in prison. Or three, he can cast you out of the land. But as Ammon is brought before the king, Ammon is given the opportunity to express his desire to the king, that he desires to dwell among the Lamanites for a time, even perhaps until he dies. And this pleased the king. The king even offered Ammon one of his daughters, which by today's standards kind of makes me chuckle a little bit. But Ammon declines, I'm sure, in a very polite way and expresses his desires to the king to be the king's servant instead, which I think is something we can learn from. Instead of going into the mission field with the pride of competition and conceit that we're going to change the people of whatever land we're called to serve in, be like Ammon. Go and plan on fully immersing yourself, 
Be like my neighbor who once told me that when he went to serve in Japan on his mission, he fully intended on becoming Japanese. So immerse yourself and go and become a servant. A servant is what Ammon became, a keeper of the king's flocks. Now in scripture, it doesn't particularly say that it was flocks of sheep. But I think it's a reasonable assumption, and one of Ammon's duties was to take the flock to the waters of Sebus to drink. I don't know how to say that. S-E-B-U-S, Sebus. It's at this point that I want you to pay particular attention as I try and not only tell you the events as found in scripture, but then liken it as if it were a parable to how we can be strengthened in our own lives and even in the missionary work that we're called to do. So as I retell a story that you've loved since primary, today I want you to allow your mind to let the sheep represent those without the gospel, the servants to represent ourselves or even missionaries, and then the wicked Lamanites as the wickedness of the world, and Ammon as Jesus Christ. My hope by doing so is that you may feel a sweetness of both the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ, reassuring you to be comforted and confident. First, the story. So, while allowing the king's flock to drink, wicked Lamanites came up and scattered the sheep, causing the sheep to flee in all sorts of directions. And if you've ever been around sheep, I'm sure that was absolute chaos and really noisy. (laughs) And the Lamanites had done this before, and the servants wept because they feared the consequence of losing the king's sheep. In the past, there had been servants who had lost their lives for doing this exact same thing. And as the servants wept and expressed their fear, their listener, Ammon, he's all excited. Ammon's filled with joy which may sound odd, (laughs) but he was filled with joy because he knew this was their opportunity. He could show them the power that he was filled with. He could show them how he could restore the flocks. This was his opportunity to win the hearts of his fellow servants and lead them to believe. So as the servants are grieving and fearing, there's Ammon telling them, be of good cheer. Can you imagine what the servants are thinking? I'm sure they're wondering what's wrong with this Nephite. But Ammon continues to pep talk them saying, let's go search for the flocks and we'll gather them together. And to the servants' credit, they chose to follow Ammon and they swiftly gathered the flocks together again. But then again, the Lamanites try and scatter the flock. This is kind of their plundering that they're doing, right? That Moroni told us about. But this time, Ammon tells the servants to encircle the flock. And essentially, he's telling them to stand their ground. Keep the flock together. This is all that was required of them. Protect and stand firm. Isn't that interesting? And it's absolutely essential that they do so to keep order and be successful in their desires to protect and keep scared and vulnerable sheep safe. And what was Ammon's job? Your sons could tell you. (laughs) It's their favorite part. Ammon goes forth and he contends with the Lamanites. And because it was just one guy and there were many of them, the Lamanites were not afraid. But the problem is they didn't know the promise the Lord had made to Ammon's father, King Mosiah. 
that the Lord would deliver Mosiah's sons out of the hands of the Lamanites. So Ammon goes up with some stones and his sling, and with mighty power, he shot those stones and he slew many of them. The Lamanites are astonished at his power and they begin to come at him with their clubs because frankly, they weren't able to hit him with the stones that they were slinging at him. Yet at this time, they should have just cut their losses because as many as did raise their clubs against Ammon, Ammon cut off every arm raised against him. To the point that many arms are cut off, six were killed by stones, and just the leader of this Lamanite group was slain by Ammon's sword. The parables I ask you to draw are these. We are always so afraid of afflictions and trials. We often are afraid of what we've never experienced before. So we don't have any evidence that we've been successful before. The servants had never been successful in gathering up all of the king's lost sheep. It seemed hard and overwhelming to them. You listening right now may have never served a mission or become a wife or a mother or gone to college. You may not have ever gone out into the workforce to get a job, comforted a very emotional child, taken on new responsibilities, and frankly, it all feels hard, overwhelming, and you aren't sure how it's all going to turn out or if you're going to be able to do it. And our brains are really super good at horrifying unknowns. Let me just throw in a coaching tool real quick. It's called the motivational triad for your brain. Its purpose and what it's motivated by is the deep need to conserve energy, to avoid pain, and to seek pleasure. So when we see something hard, it's real for us. And it's threatening all three of the brain's desires. And by the way, it's a good thing that your brain acts like this. It's doing its job correctly. I want you to know that. It's keeping you safe. Just remember, though, you aren't your brain. You're the higher part of yourself. The higher power that determines what you tell the brain to gear up to do. So if your brain is feeling a little scared, it's up to you to say, I got this. We got this. We're safe. It's, yeah, we're going to need some energy. Yeah, it might not be fun all the time, but we got this. Okay, so now back to the parable here. Here's my question. What if, while we're awfulizing our circumstance, what if the Savior is just as excited <laughs> as Ammon was as he was listening and watching his fellow servants weep and be afraid? What if the Savior is actually standing by you and he's filled with joy because he knows now is the time for him to show forth his power. Because we know we need it and we're most open to receiving it right now, especially when we're scared and vulnerable. And he also knows that now is the time that he can best restore his flocks. After all, his atonement is a restoration of all things. This is what he's good at. This is his purpose. And what if he knows that now is the best time for him to win our hearts because they are soft and they're vulnerable? And what if he's just been waiting for this opportunity to connect with you and to help you and make you mighty and teach you? What if he knows that this is the best time 
to lead you to believe in his words, his abilities, and his plan. Think about it. In those moments of hard, when we want to avoid pain and conserve energy and seek pleasure, and we're really not getting any of that, and we're scared, these are the best times for us to learn very deeply the role of Jesus Christ in our lives. And what is the counsel of the Savior in such moments as these? Think about Alma way back. Remember when the Lamanites were coming and invading the people? It was the same counsel. Be of good cheer. (laughs) Right? Just like Ammon told his fellow servants, the Lord tells us, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And therefore, just like Ammon, the Savior proposes a plan. And just like the servants, we must decide if we'll follow that plan with faith and hope. Do you know how much energy we waste as we resist the Lord's command, be of good cheer and follow me? We waste so much. We drain so much energy in being afraid and worrying. Energy that we actually really need to move forward in faith. Because believe me, faith takes energy. It doesn't always feel good. Faith is belief in action when we don't know something. So this is definitely a time in which our brain freaks out. And when we spend our time resisting, we deplete the reserves we need to energize our faith. And I just want you to think about that. I find it interesting. Yet it also makes perfect sense to me too. That Ammon went forward alone to fight the Lamanites or the wickedness that they faced. The servants were to encircle the flocks or in other words, keep their ground. That was their important job. They weren't required to do Ammon's work. So whether it's missionaries encircling those vulnerable investigators who are being threatened by the adversary, or whether it's us encircling our families or us protecting our faith and testimony, our job is to encircle the flock and keep our ground. That is all that's required of us. The Savior's job is He goes and fights wickedness. Now that's not to say that we're just passive in our work. In keeping those sheep together during a whole bunch of commotion, that takes energy and work. I'm sure that the servants were running around or or doing some kind of movement just to try and get stray sheep and bring them back or trying to keep all the sheep together and in a circle, bringing them back, tightening that circle. But their job was to hold their ground and protect the sheep. The Savior's power, as we see from chapter 17, sufficiently can take care of the wickedness. Isn't that interesting? It's like he tells the truth when he says, my grace is sufficient. His word to Ammon and also to Ammon's father is verified. A portion of God's spirit was with Ammon. His prayers and fasting had been answered. It wasn't just Ammon talking to himself and thinking happy thoughts and and positive affirmations and then going without food. Ammon's faithful actions had consecrated his efforts in the precise time it was most needful. Now, it didn't keep him from falling into the hands of the Lamanites in the first place. 
which is the precise moment that my critter brain may have thought something went wrong. But in the exact time that a threat rose up against Ammon, the Lord sufficiently strengthened Ammon's weakness until he triumphed. Sorry, I feel emotional about the role that the Lord plays in our life. How he is strengthening our weakness and hanging in there with us until we triumph. I know there's so much here. This has been a really long podcast, I know. But I hope that your brain juices are working. I hope the spirit is touching you and and enlightening your mind and opening it up and seeing you in this story. I hope the spirit has whispered to you the way that he would like you to implement these truths into your life so that through your learning and likening today that you can experience lift and go out and do something hard, something you didn't think you could do before. Remember, heart is going to accompany any choice that you make. <laughs> In one way or another, you're going to encounter hard. Hard is part of the 50-50 experience that we're here to have immortality. We can't escape it. So take courage. And I strongly encourage you to choose the hard wherever the Lord is found. Listen to the Spirit and let Him direct you just like he did the sons of Mosiah. And if I can be of any help to you in coaching you through your heart so that you can triumph and have the results you desire while feeling the Lord more intimately in your life, contact me at carrie at sisterscriptorians.com. Follow me on Instagram. I'm doing so much better there. (laughs) And your support and encouragement would help me out so much. All right. Make today a great day.